Happy Friday evening to everybody out there in podcast land. March the 24th, 2023. Welcome aboard for the latest episode of the Fortress of Rock, episode 84 with me, the maestro Kevin Crane. As always, very happy to have you along for this ride. So let's get right into it. Of course, we start off, as always, with news of the world. Our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen, the latest in the news when it comes to rock and roll and popular music. I hate to start off on kind of a negative note, but we have some health updates to pass along for a couple of our old school 80s era rockers who are still out there still tearing it up two big names though now first up is one that's been floating around in the news here for about a week or so uh Def Leppard's drummer Rick Allen in a seemingly random attack outside a Fort Lauderdale hotel. Looks like he was pushed to the ground. A young man attacked him and another person, I believe. Uh, again, seems to be random. Doesn't seem to be a targeted issue. A lot of people out there on the streets don't take this the wrong way, but we know with the homeless issue in America, a lot of people walking the streets out there who do have mental health issues. So that's what this kind of feels like. By all accounts, Rick Allen's doing okay. Might have had a concussion, hit his head, sounds like. So hopefully thumbs up. Uh, he said out a press release here a few days ago. Um, I could have done without that. It sounded like it was written by the softest, most woke PR person of all time, talking about healing and compassion and empathy. And of course, violence is triggering to people out there. Okay. Let's dial that stuff down. You are the drummer for Def Leppard. You had your arm ripped off in a car accident. Please, please tell me that this was just some namby-pamby PR person writing this. Because if you want to check it out, they've got it posted on ultimateclassicrock.com. You'll have to go back again about a week into their archives to find it, but this is the most cloying, annoying sign of the times, I guess is what you want to say. In terms of the poor guy gets attacked randomly in Florida and has to put out a touchy-feely PR release that just makes you want to throw up in your mouth a little bit. Now, on a more serious note, um, because there's not a lot of details here, a little more detail with the Rick Allen situation, still not as much 
as I would like to be able to report he is 100% healthy, but still a lot more detail with that situation than what we have just found out today, again, as we tape on March the 24th, that the front man for Night Ranger, Jack Blades, has been hospitalized, lead singer, bass player. They've had to postpone three shows. They put out a a brief statement. Um, This one bothers me. This one hurts me a lot because you guys know Night Ranger is one of my favorite bands of all time. You can laugh. You can mock me. As I constantly rip into Pink Floyd and Eric Clapton and the Grateful Dead and CSNY, I'll take Night Ranger any day before any of them. And that's why I do this podcast. But to hear Jack Blades, one of, in my opinion, the coolest guys in rock and roll. Of course, formerly with Damn Yankees, he's got a couple solo albums. But of course, primarily along with Kelly Kege and Brad Gillis, the driving forces that have been pushing Night Ranger forward for four decades. So hopefully Jack Blades comes out of this okay. Um, Selfishly, I am supposed to see them this summer at uh, Brett Michaels' Party Gras along with Jefferson Starship. So, again, thoughts and prayers to Jack Blades and the Night Ranger family. All right, new release news. And, of course, we can't go a week without talking about Journey. Journey, Roger Waters. Oh, and we've got that coming up in a minute. But on the new release front, uh, Neil, uh, Neil, Sean, we've talked about the financial issues. We know there's something going on there. He says it's Jonathan Kane. Jonathan Kane says it's Neil Sean. It just seems like Journey's pushing out a lot of material. Am I saying money grab? As long as the material's good and it's worthwhile, put out as much material as you want. Archival, new. So what we're getting is a package called Journey Through Time, which chronicles a February 9th 2018 San Francisco show, which brought back Greg Raleigh. That right there, I'm sold on it. I'm in. Dean Castronovo, again, another guy who has been a crucial member of Journey here over the last few decades. This package will, of course, showcase that concert. It's coming out May the 19th. From what I can tell, you'll be able to buy a Blu-ray of it or a three-disc CD-DVD combo. 
And from what I've seen on Amazon, they have got it out there. It's fairly reasonably priced. If it is a double, I'm assuming a double CD with a DVD under $20, that's a pretty good deal. So looking forward to Journey Through Time on May the 19th. Now, of course, the huge, huge, monstrous, dare I say mammoth, new release news of the week. Yes, finally, we've been talking about it. We've been alluding to it. Wolfgang Van Halen has been talking about it and saying he nearly has got the second album done. And, of course, now he's out on the road with Alter Bridge. You guys know this. I know this. I just saw them last month. And then he's going to be out on the road with Metallica. I believe he's even got a few dates overseas with Motley Crue and Def Leppard. So I figured this better get done and get done quick because Wolfgang is not going to have a lot of time to re-record or, or do anything here for the next year or so. Well, he came through. The announcement this week, Mammoth 2 will be out August the 4th. Album cover released, track listing released, first single and video, awesome, awesome video for another celebration at the end of the world. Now you've got to see the video from the first album for Don't Back Down. Because the, the video for Another Celebration at the End of the World is kind of part two. Continuing that little storyline. And I'm telling you, I'm biased. You guys know I'm a Van Halen fanatic. Wolfgang gets it. He gets it. He has got a great sense of humor. He, he looks like he could even be a great actor. Especially in the second video, the new video. It is worth your time. Watch them both back to back. About 15 minutes total between the two. But yes, we are getting the second highly anticipated album from Mammoth WVH. Mammoth 2 out August the 4th. And another celebration at the end of the world. The first single is out now. Let's stick with some Van Halen news. Michael Anthony, just here a day or two ago, was on Trunk Nation with the great Eddie Trunk on Sirius XM. Eddie has had some phenomenal interviews lately. Um, and of course, he's kind of dealing with what we deal with here on the Fortress of Rock, where when you've got new music coming out, Plenty of people to talk to, plenty of people out there to promote new projects. And when there's not, you got to scratch and claw for news and interviews. So he's had Billy Squire recently. He's talked to Nuno Betancourt recently. And now he has landed another interview. These guys are tight. They're close. So he usually has Michael Anthony on at least once, if not twice a year. 
Of course, Michael Anthony, former bass player for the Mighty Van Halen, now part of Sammy Hagar's band, The Circle. And here's the interesting, fun little tidbit that Mikey dropped in the interview. He might be working on his own band, a side project. He's been doing some things with Bon Jovi guitarist Phil X, as well as Aerosmith's touring drummer John Douglas. He says there is a vocalist involved. He will not disclose who. So we might have the makings of another supergroup here, fronted by Michael Anthony. Very, very exciting news. Now when it comes to tours, we've had some announcements this week. One in particular, very, very exciting, very cool news. Um, Now Jackson Brown is going out on tour this summer. Queen with Adam Lambert making another run in the fall. But... When I saw this pop into my inbox the other day, I couldn't believe it. I thought it literally was a scam. Zebra. Yes, Zebra. Who's behind the door? Celebrating the 40-year anniversary of their debut album, featuring that fantastic song. But if that's the only thing... The only song you know from Zebra, you are missing out on so much. They've only got a few albums out there. Four, by my count. They're all fantastic. Zebra is one of those incredibly underrated bands. And they are going out on tour. They're going to play the entire debut album. So far, unfortunately, only 10 dates. If you're lucky enough to be close to one of these venues, one of these cities, good for you. Unfortunately for me, uh, I'd have to go about three hours out of my way to get to one. So I'm, I'm going to be patient. Going to be patient. I just got great news this week that I will get to see one of my bucket list bands, The Offspring, finally. So I'm not going to tempt fate with the rock gods. And, of course, the good news is, at the end of this notification I got from Bands in Town, which is awesome. Bands in Town is one of the few apps that I, I love having on my phone in my email. They do a great job of letting me know new songs, new albums, new concert tours. But there are more dates coming outside of the first 10, the initial 10 that Zebra has announced. And I've got to believe this will be a, at least a popular enough tour. I think there's enough people out there like me who would be geeked about this 
where there should definitely be many more dates announced coming down the road. Again, ecstatic to hear that Zebra is back and going out on tour. Um, we talked about a couple unfortunate health issues early on here in News of the World. We should also send out our thoughts and prayers to the Saliva family. Um, one of the founding members of the band Saliva, Wayne Swinney, with an untimely passing here. Uh, this past week, I believe he was only 59 years old. Brain hemorrhage, the kind of stuff that makes me want to preach to you each and every day is precious. Do not get bogged down in stress. Live your life. You're not getting another one. It can happen at any time. So just if you want to see that concert, if you want to take that vacation, do it. If you can do it, do it. Do not procrastinate. Do not worry about what your boss thinks. Don't worry about what your spouse thinks. Don't worry about what your kids think. I'm not saying you don't take care of your family, but at the same time, take care of yourself because I guarantee your spouse and your kids will get it and they will probably follow along with you and you'll be better, you'll be happier, and that'll make them happier. Public service announcement from the Fortress of Rock. All right, last week we talked about Robert Smith of The Cure. And we talked about how he, unlike Bruce Springsteen, had the guts, had the cojones to stand up to Ticketmaster demanding refunds, anywhere from 5 to $10, for people who bought tickets to The Cure's upcoming tour because he said, it's enough. You're charging too much with these fees. He's pointing out the fact that somebody's buying a $60, $70 ticket and they are paying 25 to 30% extra on top of that for just the Ticketmaster fees. And I praised him. As much as I'm not a Cure fan, I praised Robert Smith. Loved this. Loved hearing this. Now, all of a sudden, we're starting to hear other old school rockers. I don't even know if I consider the Cure old school, but that's probably because I don't want to acknowledge how old I am. <laughs> but we're going back even further here with Chrissy Hine, number one. I have been on a soapbox for years and years and years, my bully pulpit, about how you're not putting sticks into the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You're not putting Ario Speedwagon into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You're not putting Boston or to this point, Motley Crue into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but you couldn't wait to put the pretenders in. So, shockingly, to my surprise, lo and behold, Chrissy Hine comes out here about a week ago 
and talks about how the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is, quote, total bollocks. And it is nothing but, quote, establishment backslapping. She gets it, even though she's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And people like me don't think necessarily she should be, or there should be other people in there ahead of her. Now, of course, a lot of this has to do with, as you guys know, the fact that they're putting country artists in, rap artists in, hip-hop artists in, ahead of rock and roll people. So I am hoping in some way, shape, or form that is what she's trying to imply. On top of my, I'm sure, a lot of other issues she's personally dealt with in dealing with some of these idiots, <coughs> Jan Wenner, who are the gatekeepers of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So great for Chrissy Hyde to come out and join us in our crusade against the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, of course, (laughs) shockingly or not so shockingly, who had to jump in on this? But Courtney Love. (laughs) Courtney Love, any chance she can get publicity, she'll be down with it. She will jump at it. So she kind of hops onto this, not directly on top of what Chrissy Hind was saying, but she, her quote was that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is, quote, sexist gatekeeping, unquote. So, of course, where Chrissy Hind was talking, in my opinion at least, as a, a more straightforward criticism of the Rock Hall of Fame in general and the industry, Courtney Love's got to turn it into a political woke campaign. Has she been paying attention to who's been getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? You really can't say that they're racist and they're sexist. They're doing a pretty damn good job of bringing women into the Rock Hall of bringing rap and hip-hop artists into the Rock Hall. this I hate to say this. I really do. But I am not a fan of Courtney Love. I was never a fan of Nirvana. But those of us who love the grunge era, I've always said it's the last great rock and roll music era. We acknowledge... Kurt Cobain. We acknowledge Nirvana and the influence they've had, even if some of us think they were overrated. But Courtney Love (laughs) is the ultimate bandwagon jumper. And the only thing I can think of when it comes to her complaining like this about the Rock Hall of Fame and calling it a sexist organization is that she thinks she deserves to be in. I guarantee you her ego, her ego is so monstrous that she probably thinks she deserves to be in. So she's calling the Rock Hall of Fame sexist because they won't let a woman like her in. 
Got news for you, babe. You are not even close. If I am struggling with Chrissy Hind getting in, which has been years and years and years ago, you think anybody that I know, you think we're going to lead the charge to put whole into the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you are sadly and sorely mistaken. This, oh, this woman is a train wreck. But that was not the other instance of rebellion from old school rockers I was getting to. Another, it's unbelievable to me, last week it was Robert Smith. This week it's Chrissy Hind and also... Neil Young. Now, Neil Young reminds me a little bit of, of Courtney Love in that he, he will jump onto a cause at a moment's notice. But he, of course, has done a lot of great things when it comes to backing charitable organizations. We all know about Farm Aid. So I can separate. We should all be able to separate the art from the artist. And that's what I'm doing here with Neil Young in this case. I'm not a fan of his music. He's got two or three good songs. Again, I recognize his place in the history of rock and roll. And there have been times where he's gone overboard, over the top, I think we talked here recently on the Fortress about how he was going to force all the vendors at his shows to to prove that they were not using big, massive corporate farms to create the food that they were serving at the venues where he was performing. Okay, Neil. But I'll give him credit. Now, again, he's coming in a little late on this, but I, I don't care. I hope everybody comes in late on this. Better late than never. After what happened with Robert Smith, Neil Young has now come out and has said, in so many words, Ticketmaster and the scalpers are destroying the concert business. Now, duh, obviously, Fairly simple, fairly obvious statement, but Neil Young carries weight. Neil Young does have influence. So maybe now we've got the cure. We've got Neil Young going after Ticketmaster. We've got Chrissy Hind and Courtney Love <laughs> going after the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Maybe, maybe we will start getting these two egregious, awful issues in the world of rock and roll fixed. Maybe we'll get new leadership at the Rock Hall of Fame. I doubt it. Maybe somehow, someway we'll get some regulation on Ticketmaster and Live Nation. I doubt it. But at least it's good to know that you do have people, like-minded people, on your side.
even if it is Neil Young and Chrissy Hind. So that's going to do it for News of the World, a full segment one here. Lots that we had to talk about, um, which is always good, which is always good. It means rock and roll is alive and well. Segment two coming up, of course, as always, after a quick promo break. We have three singles to review this week. So hang out here for about 30 seconds. I will return. The Maestro will be right back. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Fortress of Rock podcast with me, the Maestro, Kevin Crane. Of course, that was segment one, the news of the world, our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen, where we look back at the past week in rock and roll and all the news and all the controversies that you deserve to know about. Next up is the heart of the show, the meat and potatoes breakdown, where we are going to review all the new songs, all the new albums, all the new concert tours, the shows that I've seen personally. Stay tuned for that. Of course, we're now available on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Hang out, kids. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Fortress of Rock here Friday night, March the 24th, 2023, episode 84, with me, the maestro Kevin Crane. Segment two is Breakdown, where we look at the week in new music, albums, singles, and concert reviews. But I have to clean something up. I ran out of time in the first segment. I mentioned that I had some news about Pink Floyd, because of course, again, it doesn't seem like we can get through a week or two without news about Journey and news about Pink Floyd. So we covered Journey. Real quick here before we get into our three song reviews. We all know what's been going on with Roger Waters, the most arrogant, pretentious jerk. I could use stronger language, but again, I'm trying to keep the Fortress of Rock clean for all ages. Occasionally I slip. I think I did once last week. I apologize. But I I do not like Roger Waters. I do not like him. I think he's a vile human being. Now, let me preface this by saying I am not Jewish. So I'm going to come at this story from, I would like to think, something of a neutral angle. But we talked recently about the fact that the city of Frankfurt, Germany, canceled a Roger Waters concert because of his history of anti-Semitism. Now, Roger Waters thinks he's smarter than the rest of us, thinks he knows more than you and I and everybody in the world. He probably knows more than Joe Biden, but that's not saying much. 
But this is where I get frustrated and upset with the world of rock and roll and celebrities in Hollywood, if you want to throw them in there as well. So Roger Waters could have just let this go. He could have just put out a press release and say, I strongly disagree with the views that Frankfurt and the city elders hold of me. It's regretful they have decided to cancel this show. Let's all move on and live together in peace and harmony. <laughs> could, could I not write PR for anybody and everybody? I literally just came up with that off the top of my head, patting myself on the back. But, of course, now we've got to have fights, threats of lawsuits. And now, again, the world of rock and roll, it's always the same names. It's always the same reactionary, overly political artists who have to jump into this. Eric Clapton, Peter Gabriel... Tom Morello, among others, have signed an online petition to overturn Frankfurt's concert ban on Roger Waters. And again, same names. It's the same names that always pop up when anything political or controversial comes up in the world of rock and roll. The deep thinkers, the people that think they know more than the rest of us. And again, show me your advanced degree in political science or government. There might be one or two out there that have one, but I guarantee most of them don't. And honorary degrees don't count. But again, what I want to circle around to with this is when do you choose to pick the fight and what fight do you choose to pick? We all know a big topic in the world over the last decade has been racism. We have heard about racism nonstop because it draws eyeballs to the television and Fox News and CNN and CNBC can't get enough of it because it's the only way they're going to bring viewers in. But celebrities, of course, jump in on each and every cause they can find, especially when it's a more liberal cause. But we always seem to ignore Asian American hatred and racism. And of course, lately, thanks to professional basketball player Kyrie Irving, maybe a little bit more attention being paid to anti-Semitism. So I don't understand why and how these celebrities pick and choose their battles. So now it's okay to support Roger Waters with the comments he's made, not only about Jewish people, but of course, the war in Ukraine, Ukraine and Russia. All this does is make me more cynical. I don't know about you, but it makes me more cynical and it makes me dislike these performers and these celebrities more and more because they're hypocrites. 
So now you're going to back. What Frankfurt is calling an anti-Semitic performer. There are quotes. There are things that have been said. I am not going out into the deep water. I am not going to blatantly call Roger Waters an anti-Semite, but he has said things that could be construed as anti-Semitic. And of course, we know the history of Germany, and they have got to tread very carefully. And it seems to me they're erring on the side of caution here. But again, Tom Morello, Peter Gabriel, Eric Clapton, polishing their halos. Because, of course, they are so much more pure than the rest of us, so much more knowledgeable about these things. Again, now they decide to back somebody who has a history of controversial comments. But these are going to be the same people that turn around next week and call for jail time for Donald Trump, call for anybody who ever supported him to be thrown in jail or to be shunned and canceled in society. I'm just saying, seems very hypocritical to me. All right. That business is cleaned up. Let's move on to our three song reviews of the week. First new song in a decade from Matchbox 20. Wild Dogs, Running in a Slow Dream. Of course, we talked last week about the fact that the upcoming album, Where the Light Goes, comes out May the 26th. This is, of course, the lead-off track. And like I've said about other bands recently, I think Godsmack comes to mind most recently. These bands get older. Yeah, I know it's hard to imagine a a band like Godsmack or a band like Matchbox 20 for those of us (laughs) who grew up in the 80s. Hard for us to imagine those bands getting quote-unquote older. But as they get older... And I mentioned this with the new Godsmack album. It seems like they lose their edge. They lose a little bit of their energy. They lose a little bit of that youthful, rebellious nature. And I know, we were talking Matchbox 20. Maestro, what are you getting at? You know, we're not talking about Pantera here. Like, I know, I get it. But if you listen to the first couple albums from Matchbox 20, the ones that made them immensely popular. The music just had a little bit more of a serious nature to it, a little bit more of a rock edge to it. The lyrics were a little bit darker. And then you get to the current day. Wild Dogs Running in a Slow Dream is very poppy, at least musically. And the lyrics are upbeat as well. But Rob Thomas is a great, great songwriter. So in and of itself, the song is fine. Rob Thomas could sit down for a cup of coffee in a diner on the roadside in Arkansas 
and probably take a napkin and a pen and write a better song than any of us could if we had an entire lifetime to do it. But that being said, I miss the old Matchbox 20. I miss, I miss the Matchbox 20 that gave us Long Day. I miss the Matchbox 20 that gave us the great follow-up album, Mad Season. Wild Dogs Running in a Slow Dream again. We say this all the time here on The Fortress. It's fine. I'll take it. Because we're not getting a lot else coming from any of these other artists. So I will say it again with Wild Dogs. It's fine. I'll take it. I expect more in the follow-up songs. I expect more from the album. I don't know if I'll get it because the last album a decade ago, North, didn't really overly impress me. So, a very tepid, milk toast review and recommendation for the new Matchbox 20 song. Now, we've got the third release from the Hold Steady. You know, that's a band that I have followed here for many, many years. And it's a band that I have criticized. I have admitted they were a tough listen. There are parts of them, especially the lyrics, that I I can't get enough of. I admire completely and totally. But when I talked about the last single, now this is the third single we're talking about here today, the song called Understudies from the upcoming album, The Price of Progress. But I believe over the last two songs, the first and second singles, I have told you guys, this band is in a rut musically. The songs are all starting to sound the same. Now again, lyrically, Craig Finn, their leader, amazing storyteller. I mean amazing, and that's the one reason why I stick with the Hold Steady. I would love, and I've probably said this before, if I haven't, I would love to see this guy sit down and try to write a book. He is so incredibly detailed in the stories he tries to tell in these songs. Of course, you can probably tell by the title of Understudies, this has to do with acting and the feeling and the euphoria and what's going on backstage during a performance of a stage play or a musical. And again, incredibly detailed, always bittersweet, always a tinge of sadness in the lyrics, drugs get involved. And this is why I've always kind of compared him in a way to Bruce Springsteen is because Craig Finn and the Holt Steady love to tell these stories about the lower middle class, the downtrodden, those whose dreams have either been shattered or they're barely clinging to them like an understudy. So again, it's very hard for me to review the Hold Steady because lyrically, 
storytelling-wise, brilliant. Musically, this band is still in a rut. So, I'm getting to the point where I, I'd love for you guys to try them out. I'd love for you guys to, to give them a listen and see what you think. But I'm not going to recommend them anymore until I hear different from them because I've tried to pass along the hold steady, burn some CDs to people, and they didn't really get into it. Appreciative of me trying to turn them on to some new music, but if I'm not getting enthusiastic responses from the people that I know personally who know music, I don't know if I can really recommend them to you guys out there. Of course, when the full album comes out, when the Price of Progress comes out, I will, of course, have a review of it for you here on The Fortress, whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not. Oh, Speaking of not liking, you know... We try to set ground rules and boundaries here on the Fortress of Rock. And I don't like to review greatest hits albums. Re-recorded versions of past hits. That's why I have not talked about this latest U2 album. I want nothing to do with it. I'm not going to listen to all these songs. What, 40 songs? from U2's history, re-recorded, reinterpreted. That's a waste of my time. It's a waste of your time. It's a waste of my time. Put out new music. And that's why I'm saying here for the last song I'm reviewing here on Breakdown today, I'm very disappointed. We thought this trend, this particular trend I'm going to discuss, was dead and gone and over. Now, we've seen these trends in the past. Remember when everybody had to do an unplugged album? And, of course, Nirvana's is the most famous of the lot. But all those grunge bands, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, very notable unplugged session. Eric Clapton did one that was very, very famous. That was the the rage for about a decade. Got to do an acoustic set. Got to do an unplugged set. And we still see that pop up even to this day. Over two decades after the trend first started. Well, a little more recently, even though it's been quite a while since really the first albums made an impact. Remember Metallica? S&M, remember KISS did an album with an orchestra? Yep, we're talking about hard rock bands doing albums with orchestras. Now, The Who has got an album coming out with a symphony orchestra. So, last time I saw them on tour, first time I saw them, they were with an orchestra. And it worked fairly well. Um, Rush 
on the Clockwork Angels tour had a little mini orchestra behind them when they were playing the songs off that album. So again, it's a trend that has been on life support, but is still going. And now we get news. Of course, we mentioned this last week. Drastic Symphonies is coming out here in a month or two. Specifically May the 19th. Def Leppard playing with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra doing some of their songs over again, filtered through with a, a symphony orchestra. So the first release from this project, Drastic Symphonies, is Animal. Of course, we all know that song, classic Def Leppard song. Now, I've read stories here once the album was announced where uh, I believe Joe Elliott was talking about how all this is re-recorded. It's all been redone. This is not the old version, just with a symphony orchestra layered on top. Um, and I want to say, number one, that's BS. I think it's BS because I listened to Animal, this new version with the Royal Philharmonic, and it does not sound any different, at least on Def Leppard's part, than the original version of Animal. If this was indeed a complete re-recording of Animal, playing alongside the orchestra, I can't hear it. I don't think that's the truth. And you guys know how much I love, love, love Def Leppard, but something stinks here. And Def Leppard, I'm not going to say money grab, but we have seen them do covers albums in the past. There are multiple versions of their greatest hits out there. Can't criticize them because they just put out a new album last year. So that's why I'm hesitant to say money grab. I just, you know, we talked about this with Journey in segment one. Bands that tend to put out a lot of innocuous product like this. And Journey just put out a new album too. So again, hard to criticize when at least you're, you're trying to put out new music. But when it seems like they're trying to live up to the old 70s and 80s credo of put out an album every year, they did it back then. Van Halen, Ario, Styx, those bands put out albums every year of brand new material. Now it seems like putting out an album every year means new stuff, repackaged greatest hits, acoustic set, live album. So again, I'm stopping short of criticizing Def Leppard for this being a money grab, but I will definitely 
give long and hard consideration to whether I even want to bother myself or you with a review of drastic symphonies because I'm telling you right now, don't waste your time with this new version of Animal. And again, don't want to call Joe Elliott a liar. But you guys, if you want to listen to it, you make your own call. I think this is a lot of previously re-recorded segments from the original version of the song with a symphony orchestra layered over it. Sorry. Sorry to be negative Nancy, but very disappointing, this new version of Animal from Def Leppard. And that's going to do it for Breakdown. Segment two is done. Still got a lot more to do here. And of course, that means I got to go out to the garage and wake up Doc Brown. Got to get the DeLorean fired up, the rock and roll DeLorean, and head back in time. Always fun. Segment three, after a quick promo, I want to go back. I'm the maestro. Hang tight. We will return. All right, now that we've looked at the current state of music in our breakdown segment, it is time to climb into the DeLorean and travel back in time to look back at moments in rock and roll history, birthdays, deaths, anniversaries of song and album releases. It is time for I Want to Go Back, our tribute to Eddie Money. Stay tuned. And as always, we're on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, Doc Brown and I are in the Rock and Roll DeLorean here on March the 24th, 2023 getting the car fired up to 1.21 gigawatts, heading into the time stream, going back in time to give you anniversaries, birthdays, moments in rock history that need to be acknowledged. Yes, it is time for I Want to Go Back, segment three each and every Friday on The Fortress of Rock. So while we're maneuvering back through time. Got to take care of some business. Let you know where you can find the Fortress of Rock out there in podcast land. Of course, you must have found us somewhere if you're listening. So you just need to know you have options. And those options are Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Audible. All those platforms, you can find the Fortress of Rock. Do not forget to check out our Facebook page, especially on the weekends where we have some fun. Every Friday, we do our Weekend Rock Project. This weekend, part two of our two-part numerical 
Rock Project. Last week, we asked you for your favorite rock songs with the numbers one, two, or three in the title. This week, everything else. Four, all the way through to infinity. So there you go. Also, every Sunday is New Music Sunday. We post a video off of YouTube of a new rock song. Sometimes it's a fully produced video. Sometimes it's just a lyric video. But you can always listen to the song. I do have a feeling that this week, hmm, that new Mammoth WVH song just might make its way onto our Facebook page for New Music Sunday. But that could just be me. And, of course, we also have to acknowledge the sources for a lot of the ideas in Segment 1 and in Segment 3 here. As much as I love to admire and tout my great rock and roll brain, I can't do it alone. My main sources are ultimateclassicrock.com. ThisDayInMusic.com and the Van Halen News Desk. And of course, the Van Halen News Desk has been very busy this week with the news about Mammoth 2, the news about Michael Anthony's possible new super band, super group, and oh, I don't think we're done with Van Halen quite yet. So, All that being said, let us get back into the history of rock and roll. Let's start off with birthdays this week. March the 24th, 1960. One hit wonder, but one of the most important, popular, memorable, Songs of the MTV generation back in the 80s. Now, it depends if you like the original version or you like the translated version. We are talking about Nina. It is her birthday today. And, of course, the one-hit wonder for the song 99 Red Balloons or... 99 Luftballons. One of the most indelible songs of the 1980s. Nina, happy birthday. Going back to March the 24th of 1951, Dougie Thompson, bass player for Supertramp, was born. Now, I know you're sitting there thinking that really doesn't seem like a ultra-significant birthday, but it gives me a chance to discuss Supertramp. I always liked, admired, was fascinated by these bands that would just explode onto the music scene. 
and for a couple years would just be the biggest thing on the planet. You could you could think of men at work because we're going beyond the one hit wonder situation like we just talked about with 99 Luftballons. I just like saying Luftballons. But Supertramp, of course, Breakfast in America was such a massive hit, an iconic hit album. Um, again, you can look at Men at Work. Uh, you can pick the artist of your choice that lasted a year or two, maybe three years, caught on fire, burned bright, and flamed out. Now, Super Tramp, a lot of people argue, had a little bit more of a shelf life than that, but anybody and everybody really knows Breakfast in America. Now, looking at them, looking at Super Tramp in terms of their place in the history of rock and roll, they're not a rock and roll Hall of Fame band. I'm sorry, they're not. Um, but significant, very significant. And of course, the logical song, the title track, Super Tramp had some good stuff out there. Now, I will admit, to me, they are a greatest hits band. I've got the best of Super Tramp somewhere in my collection, but that's it. You guys know what I'm talking about. We've talked about this before. There are tiers of bands going from the bands you love, where you have every single album in the catalog, going down through the greatest hits bands, down to the bands where you might have bought the CD or the cassette or the LP for one or two songs, and now you regret it completely and wish you could have sold it or traded it in for a stick of gum. Now, ironically, moving on to our next birthday, March the 24th, 1949, another bass player in another band that I would like to discuss for their underrated influence. Steve Lang was born on March the 24th, 1949, bass player for April Wine. From 1976 through 1984, of course, those were the biggest years for April Wine by far. Now, in the history of rock and roll, the rock gods will look back and probably shine a little bit more light, a little bit brighter light on Super Tramp than they would on April Wine. But I would be more than happy in that situation to step up and advocate for April Wine. Because I still think the nature of the beast is such a vastly, vastly underrated album. And then they had plenty of other songs before and after that were fantastic. April Wine to me was always one of those underrated bands. They weren't a hair metal band. So you have to get that out of your head. 
even though they kind of found success in that era, they really weren't a hair metal band. They were more of the Styx Ario Speedwagon era of bands that came in right before hair metal took off. Always happy to talk about April Wine. Always have thought they were vastly underrated. So, Steve Lang, their bass player, through their classic era, born today in 1949. And another birthday to wrap up our birthday celebrations. Same day, same year, of course. March the 24th, 1949. Another one-hit wonder, but... Rock critics would rip me apart for saying that because, of course, he had a vast history before and after. The one really big hit song he had in America. And, of course, I'm talking about Nick Lowe and his hit song, Cruel to be Kind. Now, most of us would kill to have one massive hit song like that that you can still hear now and again on radio, if you've got a halfway cool, halfway decent radio station wherever you live. But that whole era, you had guys like Niccolo, you had guys like Dave Edmonds, um, who were just long-time guys struggling to make a name for themselves. They weren't the flashiest, of course, so they were getting passed by. For the big recording contracts. And they found some modicum of success, but they weren't the photogenic types that MTV would gravitate to. But of course, if you know your music, and I know you do, Cruel to be kind was an earworm. You hear it, and it's stuck in your brain for quite a while. So, Niccolo, born on this day in 1949. So let's move on to anniversaries. On this day, March the 24th, 1992, the infamous lip-syncing case of Millie Vanilli. You all know it. The two dudes who who comprised Millie Vanilli did not sing the songs. On this day in 1992, a class action lawsuit was settled in Chicago. by record cassette buyers who thought they were duped because of the lip sync scandal. So the settlement issued rebates of up to $3 per purchase for anybody who had bought Milli Vanilli music. Of course, there were date restrictions on it, but One of the most ridiculous, embarrassing moments in music history. Grammys stripped 
from the band, the fake band, the faux band. And then here today in 1992, money given back to those who felt they were duped by buying Millie Vanilli music. Ah, now we get to uh, a certain band that is awesome beyond all belief. March the 24th, 1986. The album 5150 from Van Halen was released. Of course, this was the first album featuring Sammy Hagar as the lead vocalist. This was also the first, believe it or not, and this should be a testament to how ridiculous, silly, and stupid Billboard's charts have been, are, and were in the past. 5150 was the first Van Halen album to hit number one in the U.S. None of the David Lee Roth Van Halen albums ever hit number one. Can you believe that? 1984 didn't. Van Halen, one, two. Women and children first, none of them. None of them hit number one. But... 5150 did. I have mixed feelings about it. Of course, I've always said that Sammy Hagar and Van Halen, second greatest band ever after David Lee Roth with Van Halen. The album itself features two of the greatest, in my opinion, Van Halen songs of all time. The title track, and best of both worlds, but it also features a couple of the weakest. Love Walks In and Dreams. I'm sorry, I don't like them that much. I really don't. Speaking of dreams, nice segue. Again, find myself patting myself on the back a lot here this week. Going back to March the 24th of 1977, Fleetwood Mac releases the song Dreams as a single. Another kind of surprising, shocking music trivia nugget here. Dreams would become the only song by Fleetwood Mac to ever hit number one on the U.S. Billboard Singles Chart. You would think Fleetwood Mac would have had more number one songs than just Dreams. Now, Dreams, to me, has been a little bit overplayed over the years. But hey, at least it's Don't Stop. Ugh. Clinton's ruined that one for me. Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to say that out loud. All right, going back to March the 24th, 1973, we love to talk about 70s R&B and disco. Love it. Such a vastly underrated genre, time, 
for great dance music, great R&B and soul music. March the 24th, 1973, the number one song in the U.S. was Love Train by the OJs. Another song, kind of like what we talked about with the earworms. When we were talking about Cruel to be Kind a couple minutes ago. Love Train, you hear it, and it will stick in your brain for hours and hours, if not days. Great song by the OJs, Love Train, number one in the U.S. today in 1973. And finally, wrapping up, I want to go back, of course, our tribute to the late, great Eddie Money. March the 24th, 1958. This was the day in 1958 where Elvis Presley, the king, reported to the Memphis Draft Board as he prepared to serve in the military. I'm not going to get all preachy here, but you know what? Looking at the world nowadays, there are a lot of young people out there that could use some military training. And we know there have been a lot of celebrities, of course, Elvis Presley being one of them, who have served in the military. It's not about war. It's about discipline. A couple years of discipline might do a lot of the people in this world nowadays, especially the millennials, might do them a lot of good. Hey, I'm in my mid-50s. It probably would have done me a lot of good. And that will do it. Doc Brown and I are pulling back into the Fortress of Rock garage, powering down the Rock and Roll DeLorean. But we're not done yet. We've got to wrap it up. As the fabulous Thunderbirds once sang. We'll be coming back here after a quick promo talking about the music we'll be reviewing in the coming weeks here on The Fortress. So don't leave just yet. A couple more minutes. Hang on. I'll be right back. Well, we hope you enjoyed our trip back in time, looking back at the anniversaries, the classic moments in rock and roll history. But of course, the DeLorean works both ways. So now we have to move forward. The last segment here, as always, on the Fortress of Rock with me, the maestro Kevin Crane, Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It's all about the future. What's coming out here in the next month or two? What songs? What albums? What concert tours? That's why we call it Wrap It Up. Thanks to the fabulous Thunderbirds. Thanks to you for hanging out. Here comes our final segment. All right, kids, that's going to about do it for our weekly Friday night get-together here on the Fortress of Rock. 
Of course, I'm the maestro, Kevin Crane. You are who you are. Still waiting for the flood of new albums to hit. We had, of course, the delay with the Rival Sons album. We were supposed to have that by now. So that got pushed back to June. So now we're still about a week or two away from being able to review the Hold Steady, the Price of Progress. Another week or two after that for Metallica, 72 seasons. And then later on, of course, we've discussed Extreme and Winger. Dave Matthews Band. So for the time being, we're still scraping along here, trying to find some interesting new songs to review. So next week, now of course, you do not want to miss next week's review of the first single from Mammoth 2. Mammoth WVH, another celebration at the end of the world. That will be our featured song review next week in Breakdown. Yes, I know I've been dragging my feet on the second and the third singles from Peter Gabriel's upcoming album I slash O. I'm sure there's a full moon right around the corner, so we'll probably get a fourth single. But we're still looking at reviewing Playing for Time and The Court from Peter Gabriel. There is a new song out there by Pete Townsend. First new song from him solo in, I believe, over 20 years. It is called Can't Outrun the Truth, portions of the proceeds for this song, royalties will go to, I believe, a specific cancer fund. I'll have more on that next week um, or the week after, depending on when I get around to this. But the way things are going, I can't see any reason why we wouldn't have a review of Can't Outrun the Truth next week. And then finally, a newer artist. Um Made an impression on me. Had some friends went to see him live. Told me this guy is fantastic. I've listened to his first album. Um, mixed emotions about it. Some very outstanding stuff on it. Some stuff I wasn't all that much into. But definitely going to give him a chance here as his second album is getting ready to come out. That is Aaron Jones. Blood in the Water is his new single. So, and I hope I'm not mispronouncing that. Um, I'm kind of going by what my friends told me when they saw him live. So, I guess it could be Aaron. But since it is A-Y-R-O-N, I will say Aaron. Emphasizing that Y a little bit more maybe than you would normally do. So, Again, we've got some new songs to take a look at next week. Definitely we'll have something for you. Maybe something new will pop between this Friday and next Friday. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, concerts, of course, still not much going on. 
couple months to go before the summer concert season really starts to take off. And of course, we talked about Night Ranger and Jack Blades and the health issues. Hope to have more detail for you on that next week. Supposed to see him. Um, I've seen Night Ranger multiple times. One of the best live bands you will see. Um, I just hope everything goes well with Jack. And again, thoughts and prayers out to him and the Night Ranger family. But life goes on. As I mentioned earlier in the show, enjoy every moment. Because you never know. You get hit by a bus. Big chunk of space debris could come crashing through your roof. So do everything you can within the means you have to live every moment. Enjoy every day. Love the one you're with. I'm the maestro Kevin Crane. I will talk to you in seven days. Next Friday night, the last day of March 2023. Take care, everybody.